you've been looking for a podcast to help you transform your physical and mental one that'll shoot you straight between the eyes with truth and no bs helping you have the right mindset to accomplish things the iron will and fortitude to follow through with what you say you're going to do no excuses Mark owns martial arts schools, and after 30 years, he has some real insight for real talk, real life, real conversations, motivational, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, live from the Great 1-8. This is Real Talk with Mark Cox. Uh, I'm sorry about that, Donna. We were oh, not okay. even, I didn't even hit the go live button and we're talking and chit chatting and we're not, I'm like, why is there no countdown? And I'm like, oh, because my dummy forgot to hit the go live button. So all that stuff that we button. got to talk about today, what a second ago was didn't even get recorded. So once again, I'm sure we're going to have people coming on now and now we're going to have some people, some views now. So, uh, so before that, before I made the mistake, we were just talking, Donna, that, uh, we're going to get a little bit into some of your hobbies and what you do and how we beat cancer. So I would like to introduce yourself, Donna, to to everybody and your children and your husband and, and all that stuff and some of your hobbies. And we'll get moving right into the interview. So go right. right ahead. Perfect. Um, my name is Donna. I've been married for almost 22 years to this uh, poor guy. Uh, we've been <laughs> together for almost 30 so he's put up with my shit for a really long time. Uh, we have two kids really close in age, 15 and 14, both boys, teenagers. So, you know, that's crazy in itself. They're, they're actually really good kids, though. So I'm lucky. I got, yes. I got blessed with that. <laughs> could could yeah. be all bad, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it could, yeah, there's sometimes that goes south. You're right about that. So uh, I'm really glad I had boys, though. I, I don't know what I do with girls, you know, I'm not so, sure. I'm not your sure typical female. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. yeah. People will get to know that by the time the, the interview is done about that. Yeah. Not your typical females. Correct. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. Not your. Yeah. That's not your type of excuse maker and stuff like that. And I what you do, too, Donna, is I, I believe you're a, uh, a masseuse now by by uh, one of the things that you that you do on a full-time basis. Is that correct? I, I used to, uh, before COVID hit, um, after COVID, I kind of rerouted myself and I have, a, you know, we have this mad passion for motorcycles and, uh, we decided to buy half of the, uh, track club organization that we've been going to for 10 years. So that's, uh, pretty much, uh, it consumes a lot of my time. Um, I also have a part-time job on weekends. I work at a private ranch in Malibu doing valet. So I get to drive cool cars and yell at a bunch of 20-year-olds. So that's pretty fun. <laughs> I didn't know you did that. That's pretty. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. Pretty, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. I, I, I just, uh, I can imagine yeah. some of these, uh, uh, yeah, these little these high-end boy boy toys. Uh, oh, yeah. I also off. do uh I do security for the same company uh, for uh, productions, so movie shoots, and 
I deal with their crew and some of them are real job, you know, very high maintenance people, but, uh, you know, I don't take shit. So good luck to you yeah, when it's a rough crew. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, I've had, I've had those run-ins too. I've had some really good people and some that are, um, uh, not so, yeah, not so friendly in, in, in the Hollywood. I've had both gamuts even here, you know, doing a lot of filming out here in Chatsworth. Yeah. And so, yeah, I know how that feels. So let's talk about that motorcycle thing for a second. So when you say you your own part of a track club, what does that mean? What is that? What you guys do? So we, we rent out a racetrack, uh, mostly uh, in Bakersfield called Button Willow. We'll rent the track and then we sell spots to our customers and run a track day uh, with a three, three formats, uh, ABC. So every 20 minutes, there's a new group of riders. Starts from very beginner, basic riders to super fast racers. Um, we just make sure everybody has a good time and the day goes smooth and, you know, it's like our Disneyland. So we love it there. So like when you, when you do that, when you're talking about the racetrack, is it, is it a, you know, is it the motorcycles that are flying around a million miles an hour or is it, uh, or yeah, it's road it, racing with, with the jumps or, and all that, or is it more just know. racing road racing? So, you know, fast, uh, some people call them crotch rockets. You know, Japanese <laughs> motorcycles, Italian <laughs> motorcycles. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, we get everybody from the uh, just a wide variety of people from basic, brand new, never been on a racetrack before to seasoned pros that are super fast. And yeah, we just have a lot of fun with it. Well, how long you been riding then? Uh, I've been riding on the track since 03. Um, I decided, you know, I, I was going to buy my own bike and do my own thing, but you know, I've been riding on the back of my husband's bike forever. I call it the backpack. I was his backpack <laughs> for a very long time before I decided to step up my game and do my own riding. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's like an adrenaline, it's like skydiving, I guess people that see that as fun. I, I don't see that as like, I would never do that, but, uh. It's kind of the same rush. Right. So it's, it's, it's definitely that's now. So you guys both been as your husband been an avid motorcycle rider for a long time. Oh, like L life. Uh huh. All, all of his life. He's, he's one of those fast guys in the A group. Is it, <laughs> yeah. is he like that when he goes on the freeways? No, actually he, he's kind of a grandpa on the freeways. I always is yell he? at him and he's going too slow. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what's a trippy thing is when Georgia comes out here, you know, splitting lanes is not uh, um, allowed in all states. Right. And and so they trip out when um, motorcycles are splitting right down the right down the middle. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't really understand that. I said I, I said I just thought I said I couldn't imagine riding a motorcycle and have to do stop and start all the time. Can you imagine that yeah. if if you weren't allowed to split the lane, what that would look like. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Um, you don't want to sit behind a car either. Cause then you're taking an exhaust. Right. You know? Yeah. That just yeah. makes you fucking dizzy. And then you shouldn't be on your motorcycle dizzy. So it's just, <laughs> it's a good thing, especially during, you know, like on streets, you get in front of the cars, you take off, you make a little gap and then you're by yourself. You don't have to worry about getting run over. 
Yeah, that's yeah. So I know I haven't got to go out there with you to to see that. I know you've invited me out there to watch that. I've never, you know, the only uh, I'll tell you a motorcycle story. I don't know if I ever told you the story about me. My dad, my dad rode rode a motorcycle quite often, um, and so did my mom. Believe it or not, they had a, and my dad had bought a brand new Honda. <clears throat> I can't remember. It was one of the bigger ones, you know. It's probably a, I don't know how old was I? Maybe 16 at the time. So, you know, this is in the 70s. And uh, my mom is riding it up and down the alley. And I'm like, well, if my mom can, if my mom can do it, I can do it. I mean, come on. Right. That's in my, this is my, right. in my head. And so my dad's got this brand new bike and, and he goes, okay, you got to make, you know, you got to let the clutch out a little bit and you got to do this. And so I hopped on that bike and, I popped that clutch because I really didn't understand what not to do, man. I'm telling you what that bike took off up and zip down just a little bit. And I, and then I, I crashed it right there, you know, scuffed up a brand new bike. I'm on the ground. And that was probably the last time in a long time that I even rode a bike. You know what I mean? I was like, man, I ain't doing this. This is, this is not my thing. And then, you know, I, I got a little bit, I look back on some of the stuff I did with motorcycles. Sometimes I was just so stupid. I, I really no formal training. And then when I didn't have a car for a little bit, a friend of mine had a crotch rocket like you're talking about. Uh-huh. And he taught me up and down the street. And I said, well, okay, I got, I got the idea of what this is. And so I would take it on the 118 back and forth every once in a while. And I look back on that now going, man, I had no idea what I was doing. I said at all i said i could have really gotten myself hurt never had oh, any yeah. formal training didn't have a motorcycle license doing things i wasn't supposed to be doing and uh so it was never it never got in my wheelhouse i got uh i got one of those camans for a while one of the three yeah. ones and i enjoyed riding that but my daughter couldn't stand that i was on a motorcycle so i had to let yeah. it go so it's, i guess it's one of those things that when you're in it for your all your life you're in it you know what i mean so uh, but it is fun to watch those guys race those things. I mean, those guys zipping around and their knee is kind of touching the ground and that oh, craziness, yeah. you know, and, and I guess the G force is what keeps those bikes the way they are. But, uh, and any, and how about all the years you've been doing it? How's the track safety record? Is it pretty good? I've never crashed knock on wood. Uh, hmm. I personally have never crashed a street bike. Uh, I've come close, but, uh, uh, I have a, a very good track record of never crashing. Most people I know have crashed multiple times, uh, including <laughs> my husband. My husband's uh, last bike caught on fire while he was on it. And he's so calm. He just calmly pulled over, put it on the kickstand and watched it burn. Now, if I looked down in between my legs and saw <laughs> flames, I'd probably just jump off and then hurt myself and, you know. But he's he's so like mellow that he just like crazy. Yeah. Well, that's all. Well, you know, listening to that kind of having that adrenaline and what that looks like uh, is probably what uh, moved you to Krav. Unimagined. You know what I mean? As you have that that uh, temperament. Where where did your Krav Maga training come into play? When did you decide that? Started looking at that. So I was, uh, you know, doing a little, I was at a boxing gym working out like a champ over there and, uh, Robbie called me and, you know, knew I had, we, we, so 
back to Rob, we, we met like 20 something years ago, me and my husband decided to take Taekwondo to beat on each other. And we met Rob and his wife uh, at the studio. They were our like 15 year old instructor kids, you know, the black belt kids that were super badass. And uh, fast forward uh, years later, he had kids, I had kids. He started this Krav Maga program and told me, you know, I should bring my kids, check it out. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So take the kids down there and I'm like, dude, I need to do this. Like, you know, the, the kids can do whatever, but I need to do that. Like, that's awesome. Uh, and I remember I was like one of the red, it was red shirt days. And, uh, you know, I, I got into it a little bit and then, you know, stuff happens and got back out, got back in and all along I'm thinking, nah, that's, that's my jam. That's what I like to do. So I kind of just fell in love with it and the idea of, you know, being, I, I feel safer and I'm actually more chill, which is really fucking weird. That, that right. calmed me down. Yeah, um, martial arts has a tendency to do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the first phase, uh, my Taekwondo days didn't, because my husband, we just really went there to beat on each other. And it was kind of fun. Um, but when I started really getting into Krav, uh, basically right before this last cancer, um, I became like a whole different animal, you know, with it. Still crazy, but not out of control crazy. When I first started, I, I was literally out of control. And mm. I got humbled a few times in Chatsworth by your black belts, which was good for me. <laughs> you know, you go yeah, in a little cocky and, and you're going to, they'll show you real quick what's up. So <laughs> yeah, they're was, a little, yeah, it's a little different breed. That's for sure. It was, it was good though. I needed that, you know, and a lot of people need that. So it, it taught me, it's taught me a lot. I needed and, that when I was a young guy. I got, yeah. I got, I got spanked when I first started. That was no joke. So yeah, I, I know my, I ended that. My kid was about six years old, and I decided to uh, that I got to quit using my kid as an excuse for baby my baby weight, you know. So I went on some crazy mission to lose weight, and I lost about fifty five pounds in five months, all on my own. And uh, then I found breast cancer like out of nowhere, like what the hell is this? And you know, one of my training partners, uh, my battle buddies, I used to call them at the gym was a, uh, a, she's a nurse practitioner. So I had her checking it out in the locker room and you know, she's like, oh, you should have that checked out. And uh, so I did and turned out to be, you know, a bad thing. And it's like, shit. I just got in like the best shape of my life to find that. So that was, yeah. uh, that was pretty, that was a really weird year because I wasn't even old enough for a mammogram. I was like just a, a year too young and I uh, find that have to have all that. And then I ended up having um, a mastectomy two days before my 40th birthday. And, right. uh, you know, they, they told me that I, I'm going to have to be in here, you know, for two days in the hospital. And I'm like, yeah, no bullshit. I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm not staying in here on my birthday. So, you know, I passed all their little tests and whatever and ended up going home the next day. They were all shocked, but whatever. So you know. when you, you discovered that, 
you said a couple things in there. You when so when people go back, what do you mean by the red shirt days? And the, that's the that. So you were a founding member when we opened up Ventura Krav, correct? Correct. Yeah, yes. you're one of the very first that that came in there because we gave these certain red shirts to founding members that we never made again. And if you have the red shirt, you have the red shirt. You know, is one of the ones that started. And so I, still I remember have the red shirt. Yeah, I still have yeah. my shirt. <laughs> you know, it's funny about that. That that's something that I've done on most of my schools when I opened, and uh, I don't know who I got it from, but man, they treasure those red shirts. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. And because uh, it's it's got a certain design on there that we don't do it again. You know, we have yeah. some red shirts again, but not not the not uh, founding shirt. members. Yeah, so yeah, it, it, that's that's something good to have. So. I was going down there quite often um, when you first started. I was coming down there once a week. I think you got to take class with me quite often on Thursday nights oh, yeah. was when I was coming. So that was, uh, you know, I remember seeing you. You were pretty fired up at back, you know, one of those, you know, fired up women taking class. It was always awesome to 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 watch and, and things. So that's what the red shirt is if people have questions. The other thing, uh, your your breast cancer well, let's first of all, how did you kind of find it? What what happened there? Did, was it something that you felt while you were showering or something that it just came up? I mean, let's talk about that for what happened or how you saw it. Let's talk about that for women, because uh, you said you were a little bit younger for a mammogram. Now, that's something I didn't know. Now, is that is that something that starts in in women's health at a certain age or something like that? Yeah, you're supposed to start having them at 40 years old. So I was, you know, a month away from 40 when I uh, discovered it. And, you know, women, a, a lot of women uh, carry weight up top instead of, you know, being blessed with a big old can. Um, <laughs> I unfortunately was the up top type person. And when I lost all the weight, uh, you know, your boobs turn into deflated water balloons and you know, I just looked down. I saw this kind of like a dent, like a divot, and I thought, "Wow, I'm done breastfeeding six years ago." You know, I thought maybe it was a milk duct, something clogged or some. I don't know what the hell I thought. And I started to mess around with that area and touched it, and it was super, super hard, like a rock. Didn't hurt. Didn't hurt at all. And then uh, I decided to show the my friend who's a nurse practitioner. And she said, yeah, you got to get that check. So I did all that. And, uh, you know, my doctor called me and she's like, where are you? And I'm like, I don't know. Where are you? And she's like, are you, are you sitting down? And I said, I think you should sit down. You seem really like anxious and nervous <laughs> and shit. And, uh, she's like, well, I can't believe I'm going to tell you this over the phone. I'm like, you don't have to tell me anything. I already know what you're going to say. So, mm. and she's like, well, how are you? And I'm like, I'm fine. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? You know, everybody thinks you're going to like freak out and I don't know what they think, but, uh, I, uh, I was totally okay. Well, now what do I do? And she said, you know, I, I want you to go see this doctor. He's a surgeon, whatever. And I would send my daughter there. So I'm like, okay, perfect. Then I'll go there. So she didn't want to delay any procedures. Cause you know, they acted so aggressively. I mean, I found out on January 6th and I met with the general surgeon and a plastic surgeon and January 24th, I was being operated on by two people that I've never met before. So 
it was a very aggressive approach to it. So, and then uh, I didn't really know if I had to have chemo until they uh, biopsy and dissect the lymph nodes that they take from you while you're in surgery. It's crazy. You have to have a uh, radioactive injection, which uh, detects cancer in like the sentinel nodes, lymph nodes. And uh, so I did that. Then they did the biopsy and ended up, I had to have chemo and I was really pissed off because I had really good hair (laughs) and I I knew it was going to go. So that picture, you know, on the front of the, this podcast with the pink hair, I kind of rebelled and went and cut all my hair off and dyed it pink before it started falling out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That just, it was just a, that's the, that was the most fucking annoying thing ever was your hair is going to fall out. And I'm like, what? Really? Oh my God. So did the the lymph nodes, did that come back clean or did it not? Is that what? It did not. So So it did not. uh, No, there was like a microscopic speck in the lymph node. Mm. So that, that's uh, saying that it's jumped ship basically and gotten into your lymph nodes. Your lymph nodes are like your train tracks. I know how you love trains, but so it's the train tracks (laughs) to your organs. So when somebody has a cancer, say like a liver cancer, and then it jumps into a different organ, it's gone there by way of the lymphatic tract, the the lymph the lymph nodes, they're all over your body. So. So that's that's where where it was. So. What what was your mindset when you first got the news? I mean, what what was it like? And then what was it like having to tell your husband and stuff like that? How did how did you guys as a family decide what's going to con- how this is going to be conquered and what you're going to do? Uh, you know, I kind of am the way I am. I just like, get it the fuck out. Like I (laughs) get it out. That's just, that was my mindset. And, uh, you know, I talked to my husband, uh, I talked to him on the phone and then I talked to him in person and he kind of cried and I'm like, wait, what are you doing? Like, you can't do that. I I don't do that. You can't do that. So, you know, and then I started to call my family members and, uh, that it just, I stayed on the phone with one person like too long and I'm like, okay, forget this. So (laughs) I made a private uh, Facebook group and uh, that way I could keep everybody up to date. There's no way I could keep calling everybody. I called my one sister. I was on the phone for two hours and I'm like, wait a minute. There's like seven more of you people, just my siblings. I have eight siblings. There's Uh no way I'm going to be able to do this. Are you the only one in the family or was there any history on your side? Not, I'm the only one. I, I'm like the alien if, of my family. I'm, yeah, uh, I'm the shortest one. I'm the only one born out of state. I'm the only left-handed one. And I'm the only one with my blood type. So <laughs> I don't know, milkman or something back in the day. I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it funny? These millennials don't even know what a milkman is. Right. Um, <laughs> um, that is, yeah, that I, I would imagine you had some kind of a, 
you know, what was it like in your private thoughts when, you know, when you had to sit and think about it on your own, was it the same thing? Well, I'm just going to be aggressive just like I am to, to fight and that it, you know, and that's yeah. the way it was. That's pretty much how it is. How I am is how it was. Yeah. So I think that that's important. That's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on because you took something on, you know, you didn't run kind of get, you know, I remember when, when we got, when we got word from you that, that this has gone down. And I remember talking to Robbie about it saying, you know what? I think this, this lady is one of those ones that can beat this. I, I said, she can probably beat it by sheer will for crying out loud. Um, so I thought, well, let's see what, what goes down. And then I think you talked about to us the mastectomy right before your birthday. I remember that too. Yeah. And how hard was that for you to think, or did it just not matter at that point? Oh, it didn't matter. Yeah. I, I, and I went to that surgeon. He was an older guy and uh, kind of had like those droopy eyelids. And uh, he said, you know, <laughs> we, we got to take the left. And I'm like, well, what about the right? <laughs> and his eyes opened and I, and I, I actually went by myself too. And he kind of thought that was weird. He kept looking around and, like looking at me and I said, there's nobody coming. Like I, this is it. I'm, he's like, you're here by yourself. And I said, yeah, why not? Like, (laughs) is that a big deal? So, uh, I, uh, I opted for both, you know, I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't. Um, a lot of people have called me, um, since I've dealt with that and, you know, tried to help me, you know, with their decision-making and it's like, I, I can't tell you, you know, what you would do. Uh, I, I did, you know, something for certain reasons, but, uh, yeah, I can't, I can guide you and help you along your path, but I can't make a decision for you. You know? So you did, you did double then. I did double. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Might as well make a match. I just looked at it as an upgrade. Shit, why not? <laughs> right? <laughs> you got to look at it some positive some way. way. <laughs> There's no other way. <laughs> you look at it as an upgrade. See, that's yeah. what I'm talking about right there. So, right. Um, you know, I guess, it, I guess, you know, I don't know what, yeah, I don't know what would go through a woman's mind as far as that goes. I just know how strong you are. And that's why. I wanted to have this, uh, this conversation cause this is just, um, you know, I have breast cancer on, and I don't know if you know that Dickie too, he's a testicular cancer survivor. Oh, um, no, I did, did, not, did know you know not know that. Yeah, he no. is. Yeah. There's a pie, have a podcast on him too, about, you know, his thought process. And, you know, it's funny. It's a, it's, it's a lot the same as you. It's like, uh, okay, what do we do? Let's, uh, you know, let's get to rocking and rolling or whatever it is we got to do. So, yeah. Yeah, he he. Yeah, that's something uh, that he had himself. So, just around cancer itself is, you know, because I lost my my nephew to that. You know, yeah. um, you know, Cody. Yeah, just yeah, this is the month that we lost him. You know, three years oh, ago, okay. and he was at trying to beat it too, trying to find the right surgeon, and then he did have surgery, and he did come through surgery, but. You know, that brain surgery is something else. And I'm not sure if you know this, too. We have another black belt in our AKMF. His name is Woody White. If you go look him up, you know, he's fighting brain cancer, too. But he's winning that battle. You know, he's good. He's right in the middle of this uh, chemo, like what, what you did, too. You know, and he 
he he speaks quite often about you know what that is i mean how did that was that an ass kicker for you or what you know going through chemo was it a hard process is did it make you sick uh, did so you the continue? first chemo with the breast cancer well first of all i went locally and uh my very first round of breast cancer they poisoned me incorrectly and uh <laughs> then they told me about it and i'm like uh what so um she said well you can see somebody else in our office or you know you can go somewhere else or you can stay with me and i'm thinking well i'm not staying with you that's for sure and then i decided oh, i'm gonna make another appointment with someone else in the office so the lady comes in and she starts talking about radiation and i'm like wait i i don't I don't have anything to radiate. I had a mastectomy. I am the, I'm out. I'm out of here. Like, forget it. I'm done. So I moved to UCLA. I figured uh, I'm close enough. I live close enough to LA. Let's go get some expert, you know, experts touching me instead of this place. Wow. Uh, so I, I moved to UCLA. It was a really good thing. I got a really good guy, doctor. Um, and uh, during that breast cancer, I actually was reading up on, you know, the same kind of chemo and stuff like that that people were going through. And I brought it to his attention that, hey, you know, these people nowadays, they're only doing like four rounds, which is eight rounds um, of this chemo. And this was my last, it would, be, it would have been my last appointment with him if I was right. And so he hooks me up to the machine. He walks away, goes does research, comes back, and he's like, you're right. This is your last round. And I'm like, what the hell? You're going to give me extra for nothing, but okay, I, I, I'm good. This is my last round. And I was like, hey, can I go across the street and take a shot of tequila when I'm done with this infusion? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, he's like, just one, though. I'm like, okay, perfect. <laughs> just a little celebratory, like, yay, I'm over this shit. Um but back to your question, uh, yeah, it did make me sick. Uh, you know, I would, it's like they give you a bunch of steroids and then they let you crash off of them. Um, mm. That chemo wasn't even close to the chemo I went through in 2020 with my other cancer. Yeah, well, uh, that cancer, that chemo, all of that as a whole different animal. <clears throat> Breast cancer is like nothing compared to what I went through in 2020. Yeah, well, so we'll talk about that. So, I, I mean, once you went through your breast cancer, do you have a lot in your immediate circle that's had anything that way done or not really? No, nobody. None of my family members, uh, my, actually one cousin had breast cancer, but nothing, nobody immediate, nobody, you know, nobody yeah, to, that's uh, interesting. my sisters came in, um, to help me out, which was awesome. But, uh, yeah, nothing. And my sisters are all older than me. So, uh, my mom, nobody's ever had any cancer. And I was genetically tested this last time for 250 different things. And I have nothing in the genetic. So you know, I was doing it for my kids and my sister's kids and stuff like that. But everyone's clear. 
Well, I guess uh, that's one thing when you go through cancer and you are super tested. So, oh yeah, you know, I would imagine. I didn't think about that when I went when I had those blood clots that almost killed me uh, in my lungs. I went through a CT scan, so I guess if there was any cancer, then they would have found that there through that scan too. That I guess that that scan kind of picks up. Well, uh, that kind of when stuff. they do I don't a know. CT scan, like I, I get scanned now every three months and I've moved to CTs, but it's three different scans, uh, you know, chest, pelvis, abdomen. So a PET scan would show your entire body, but the CT is just uh, targeted to the area in question. So yours would have been your chest, uh, making sure your lungs are clear. I see how that works. Yeah, you yeah. become like a medical, like very knowledge in the medical aspect of things because you're kind of on your own, especially when you get cancer during COVID like I did, which was not a really good time to get cancer. You know, yeah. nobody can come with you. There's pain involved. So you're on narcotics and I'm a big sissy. So I decided during the breast cancer after that lady messed up and poisoned me incorrectly to start uh, top secretly recording all my conversations with doctors. And I'm, I think and, I, rem- I let you listen to one of those. That's right. I remember this. So let's, let's yeah. fast forward into what this looks like for you. So you, um, you, you, you went through this and I remember getting getting what is the next cancer that came along and how was it discovered so i had a i had my tubes tied with my second son because i had c-section and then you know you still have that annoying thing monthly that's called a period that chicks have and i'm like okay well is there anything we can do about this so they had a procedure that's called an ablation procedure where they cauterize your uterus, basically your cervix, and uh, you don't have a period. So I'm like, I'm, I'm signing up for that shit. That's awesome. So I did that. <laughs> and then two years later, during COVID, I got, I got a period or what I thought was, you know, and so I call the guy and, you know, he's just like, well, you're, you're just getting old. We're going to have to do a hysterectomy. And I'm like, all right, whatever do whatever you got to do. And it's COVID. So, you know, we're talking like teledoc, like kind of like we're talking right now. I'm not actually in his office. So I finally get to his office. I make an appointment and, uh, you know, they had to do biopsy and stuff like that to clear you for the hysterectomy. And then we booked it two months out. <clears throat> the, and so I'm still dealing with this. And he would call me periodically and ask me if I was still bleeding to death. And I'm like, no, dude, I think I really am. And uh, I actually went to the ER twice in Ventura uh, with pain in my abdomen. And they told me I was constipated twice. And I was like, no way. I am not. I am like so regular. You have no idea. And uh, they uh, yeah, they just chalked. Oh, there's like clay-like stuff down in your lower intestine, whatever. And I'm like, okay. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, nah something ain't right. So I called my chemo doctor uh, from breast cancer and I told her I need a referral to a different gynecologist. So she refers me to this guy in uh, LA. I drove to Westwood to see him 
He's a uh, gynecologist oncologist. So he's a cancer female doctor. I go into his office. He does an exam and he says, huh? And I was like, well, I've never had that reaction before. <laughs> and uh, he, I said, is there something you see? And he said, uh, there's a cyst. And I'm, can I biopsy it? I'm like, dude, do what you do, dude. So he biopsies the cyst on a Monday. My stupid ass decides to go to Las Vegas on Wednesday. So I drive with my friend in her Sprinter van, not very comfortable, uh, to Vegas. We book my surgery hysterectomy for a month and a half out with this guy. On Friday, uh, while I'm in Vegas, the scheduler calls me and says, we need to move your surgery to Tuesday. And I'm like, Tuesday, like next week. And she says, yeah. And I was like, wow. Okay. Was it a bad biopsy? And she says, oh, I can't tell you. He has to tell you. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And uh, she said, can you come in tonight uh, for uh, a CT scan? And I said, oh, no, no, I can't come in tonight. She says, well, are you not home? And I said, no. And she says, well, where are you? I said, oh, I'm in Vegas. And she's like, well, aren't you bleeding? And I said, well, can it come with me? <laughs> and then she says, well, aren't you dizzy? I said, well, I've been drinking tequila like all day. Yeah, I'm dizzy as shit. <laughs> and anyway, we're laughing about it. And she tells me the doctor is in a board meeting, a tumor board meeting about me. And he'll call me at six and it's five thirty, and I'm thinking, all right. So I just go back to gambling, wait for my call six o'clock and I'm sprinting through the casino, you know, cause it's loud. And, you know, he tells me this gigantic word. I don't know what this gigantic word is, but okay. See you Tuesday. And, and he's like, uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, I tell my girlfriend on the way home, because they want me to come in, you know, tomorrow for a CT scan. So we rush out of Vegas the next morning because we'd been drinking. We can't drive and uh, rush out of there. And, you know, I tell my friend the gigantic word as I'm looking it up on my phone the next morning. And she's like, oh, that's not good. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, it's that's that's bad. So anyway, it was called lyomyosarcoma, which in the cancer world, sarcoma is like not a word you want to hear. Um, so what, after the guy did the biopsy, he opened like the floodgates of hell. I, I don't know what he did, but it was, it was worse than it was before the bleeding. And uh, I get there, you know, mm-hmm. do the thing, go home, get ready, come back Tuesday for my surgery. I get prepped. There's like people everywhere. I mean, like six doctors, eight nurses. Like, what are all these people? Because it the cancer is six in one million. Like, super rare. Half those people had never seen it before. So they were excited. What? You know, they get to, <laughs> well, it, it's kind of their job to, you know, they get to see something so... they're probably never going to see again in their life. There's med students at UCLA and professors and doctors and people everywhere. So I'm excited. They're excited. Everyone's excited and happy. You know, it's like a party in my room. Awesome. Uh, so you, you have one of the most rarest things 
Do you know yeah. anybody else that had it? No, I don't. I, I still don't. Uh, my girlfriend that was driving back to Vegas with, that I was driving back to Vegas with, she had a friend, had a friend that had it. And uh, she didn't make it. But since I've had it, I uh, became a member of this group of people. Are we still on there? Yeah, you're there. I I Uh see you. We're good. You're still there. Can you hear me? Donna. Can you still hear me? I can hear you. Hello? I'm here. You good? I can hear you. Uh Oh, we got a small technical difficulty here. Are we still there? We're still here. I'm still here. Can you see me? Or not? I don't know what happened. Can you see me, Donna? Donna, can you still see me? Oh, she went off. Let's see if she comes back on, guys, because we're just getting into this this story of Donna still. This is, and we'll talk if she can get back on here in a second. Um, what that what that looks like because she was in Vegas and she gets this second cancer of one of the most rarest cancers that you can have. And this is her story as she gets ready to, um, you know, go through her chemo and all that. And so we'll see if she can get back on with us. The last thing, you know, while we're talking about, you know, the survivor of her, if you guys listen to her a little bit, she is, she is super headstrong on as a fighter. She was like that. She's like that in class when she, she trains and she has this thing about life that is, you know, just, she just doesn't take no nonsense. And I think when you hit something like that, when, when life hits you with some stuff like that, you, you know, you, you want to, you want to be the warrior that you are. And you want to be the warrior for everybody else around you. And I just saw that with her uh, as it is. She's coming back on right now as we speak. Hold on a second. There you go. We're back. Why to blame that on my blame that on my husband. It did that's all it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. I was talking about your your mindset here just a little bit anyway. I could still hear you for some reason. I don't know, you couldn't see or hear me. Yeah, um, I couldn't I couldn't hear anything. It was weird. Uh, yeah, so yeah, you're back. So let let's go back to where we were on that on that story. Is letting the audience know about where we're at. So you you're you have all these people here. Is you got probably got the best of the best of doctors that are going here. Was yeah. his prognosis to you uh, hopeful, or was he like, you know, we're going in doing this, but this may not be what you think? Actually, they didn't tell me uh, until after I was in remission. So, (laughs) yeah, Um, you know, I'm by myself and it's COVID and I'm drugged. I'm on dilaudid, like ridiculous. And uh, um, so the surgery went well, whatever, you know, I I go home and uh, then they had to have another board meeting about my chemo. And basically they voted because they don't know if chemo is effective towards this cancer because it's so rare and there hasn't been enough study. And I'm like, wait, what the shit? 
So now you want me to be poisoned and you don't even know if it's effective. So, I, I met a so they're, they're using a they're using you as a uh, as the experiment. Yeah. So I met with the specialist and he said, well, look at it this way. If you do the chemo, at least if it comes back anytime, you can say you did everything humanly possible to try to avoid that. And I'm thinking, mm, okay. So sign me up. Okay, great. <laughs> um, so before I got into doing chemo, 10 days, I went home 10 days after my surgery. I, um, I felt funny at nighttime and I tell my husband, I got to poop. Just give me more laxatives. It's these damn narcotics. So I take more laxatives. It was six o'clock at night. And, uh, He's like, oh, we should go to the ER. And I do not like doctors. I don't like the ER. So I'm like, nah, I'm good. Just just go to bed. You know, it was like nine o'clock by the time he went to bed. And um, then, you know, a couple hours later, I couldn't pee. And then I'm thinking, well, damn, okay. I need more water. I'll just drink more. And I'm on drugs, so I don't, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, right? And then all of a sudden, I couldn't walk. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So I'm like pulling on his pant leg, like crawling around on my floor in my room and I'm jacked. I'm so jacked. And I'm like, okay, dude, I'm, I'm ready. Like we can go to the ER now. I'm jacked. And, uh, it's six o'clock in the morning. So it's 12 hours later. And, uh, I call the ER cause I got the number in my head on speed dial. My kid has asthma. So, um, I'm like, you know, I'm jacked up. I know he can't come in. I need a wheelchair to the curb, like pronto. So before I get there, there's a wheelchair there. And uh, I go in, just shot up with Dilaudid, the, you know, their favorite thing to give me. And thank God my friend, uh, Kathy, was working that day because I was brought in and she could see that uh-uh, she's not, she's jacked. So she helped me get to a room like pronto and get me drugged and whatever. Anyway, I had a mass. I got, I was septic. I had a mass that grew in my uh, pelvis that was like the size of a giant peach. And uh, mm. they put me in my room and they tell me, oh, we're sending you back to UCLA. Like, we're not touching you, basically. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And they said via ambulance. And I'm like, no, dude, I live across the street. My husband could take me. And they're like, and then now. You're, you got to stay here and you have to go in the ambulance. And I'm like, what? And they said, you don't want to go during COVID again, back through another ER and be readmitted. And it's just, it's complicated. So I'm brought back in uh, to UCLA and I'm, I'm not very happy about that, but uh, they had to drill a hole in my uh, hip in the back to reach this mass that they had to have like a drain tube and that let me tell you how fun that drain tube was when you you're on mm -hmm. drugs and you forget it's there and you sit on it you're like holy crap um so i was there longer with sepsis than i was uh with cancer so that was uh really bad yeah sepsis then, is uh you know that's sepsis is what took brandon Cameron's father yeah so, so what what caused bad. that? What caused uh, they it? said it was from my um, uterus sitting in pooled blood. Now I was bleeding for thirty seven days. 
this was not a normal period. You think? Uh, so, right. Um, well, it's COVID though. You know, you're trying to push to get this happening quicker, but you know, they keep pushing man. you and pushing you. And so, thank God I went to UCLA. Anyway, I finally got released from the hospital on Fourth of July, and I was—I don't know why, but I really wanted corn. And I kept saying, "What am I getting out today? Because I really need some corn." And they're just like, "What are you crazy?" <laughs> so I finally got out on the Fourth of July and got some damn corn, and uh, I was happy about that. And then I had to wait—you know—a couple weeks to start chemo, and then uh, I start this super brutal chemo, like. I feel sorry for old people and little kids that have to touch this stuff. This stuff, I I can't even tell you how bad it was. It was so bad. The first round, I thought I was having a heart attack um, because one of the chemos makes you short of breath. And then the other one causes, um, it, they give you a shot. So you get so depleted in your white blood cell count that they give you a shot that boosts your white count off the charts. But usually I would get the pain, They get the, the shot creates bone pain. And I used to get it in my femur with, uh, with the breast cancer chemo. But this chemo, for some reason, I got the pain in my uh, chest. So it was like causing bone pain in my chest, with short of breath. And I thought I was having a heart attack. So I, end up, so I ended up in the ER almost every round of chemo with this one. Mm. That time I thought I'm having a, a heart attack. And then I find out that the doctor gave me generic. And I'm like, well, don't give me generic. Give me like the, the regular stuff. At least I'll get the pain in my leg, not in my chest. And then the <laughs> yeah. shortness of breath, you learn like, okay, this one. They don't tell you anything. They just give it to you because everybody has different side effects. Well, I just happen to have all of the side effects every single side effect that you can have i had it um but there were certain things uh, i also got sepsis from chemo and i also got c diff from chemo so in 2020 i i almost died like four times it's terrible but uh i just tell everybody once but in reality it was bad and uh, I just don't like to freak people out, but now everybody's going to be freaked out. So, so um, let's talk about the phone call that you 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 let me in on. You remember that? Oh yeah. So so that was after my chemo. I the last mm -hmm. round of chemo I got C diff, and then I was scanned in November and it was clear. And I was scanned in January, and all of a sudden I had colon polyps. Right. That's. <laughs> Out of nowhere. This is the, I remember you talking to me this that day. As, as, and then I had to I listened to the doctor's conversation with you, right? And telling you this. And I'm like, mm -hmm. remember, I couldn't even talk to you that same day because it took me personally like 24 hours to process that this woman has just kicked the shit out of these cancers and septuses and all this stuff. And yeah. now they're saying that you have polyps in your, in, in the colon. And I'm like, what the heck? And one of them was like 30 millimeter, like gigantic. <laughs> and I keep telling this lady, like, it's the chemo. And she doesn't believe it's the chemo. And I'm like, well, I don't, well, they just came out of nowhere. Come on. <laughs> 
So they removed them in January and then I went back in April and I had more or, you know, reoccurring spots and they removed them again. And uh, I had another scan and they're completely gone. Like freakishly just vanished. Just like I said, (laughs) it's the chemo. The chemo was brutal. I mean, it was not, there was no friendly part about that chemo. And you don't really know with with or without it if it would have done anything correct. So if you didn't do it, would have it killed you? Do you think? Or I think is that, so. Is that something you had to go through in order to to make it happen? You, you know, most the the people, the group that I'm in, um, the people that have had reoccurrences hesitated on the chemo uh, out of the gate, or they say that well, there's no nothing saying that it works, so they didn't have it. And now they're having reoccurrence. And, you know, once you have a reoccurrence of a cancer, it's worse than the first round. So, you know, I I was, you know, opted to do the chemo just because I really liked the sarcoma specialist. And I really liked the way he explained stuff. And I was like, yeah, what's it going to do? I mean, Mm. really, like you just cut cancer out of my body. Why not give it a try? Right. Yeah. Well, who knew it was going to do all the shit it did? If I hadn't, if I had known it was that bad, I might not have done it. And I had to do a lot of it, like for 12 rounds. Yeah, Um, that's, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. I remember, I remember listening to her too going uh, and the way she did it on the phone. I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. Well, that lady was my oncologist who, who gave me the poison. She administered it. And when she first, she's UCLA too, but when she first administered it, I got like super bad. And I realized that she gave it to me backwards. She gave me the one, the guy, the sarcoma specialist wrote the, the recipe, basically. He's the chef and she's like the sous chef. And she gave it to me backwards and I questioned her. So we had a little weird relationship from the get-go. And I said, why are you doing it backwards when he wrote it this way? And she said, well, it doesn't matter. I said, well, it matters to me because I went all the way to Santa Monica to see this specialist who wrote this, you know, recipe this certain way. And you're not doing it that way. And I want you to go back to his way. So I was pissed from like day one with her. So when she told me that, you know, I, you might have to have part of your colon removed and have a colostomy bag. Right. I'm like, wait, <laughs> I, what? That's, that's, yeah, I remember saying uh, this, man. I'm like, okay. what? you know, already setting you off in a spin. I remember us having the conversation together and you're just like, I, I don't know what. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we talked about, you know. I guess we're just going to have to see what we're just going to have to see. You know, it was, uh, quite a, you know, quite, yeah. quite, quite a, quite a blow, quite a phone call. And for me to process that, you know, and, you know, and then here we take so. in for me too. I'm like, Hey, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah. I remember. I remember. So, I mean, how hard was the second round on the family? How were your kids with you? Um, were they scared for you or are you just kind of trying to stay on the positive all the time with them? How'd that go 
Yeah, no, I, um, I just pretend like I'm good, Mm -hmm. you know, always positive. And, you know, if I'm super ill, I, uh, would hide in my room, but I, um, instead of crashing off of the steroids, which is what they have you do, they, you know, you're taking four pills a day and I'm up all night cause I'm sensitive. And instead of crashing, I started taking extra. So instead of not taking any on Friday, I would take one and then I'd take one on Saturday and like wean off. So I was like still going to the racetrack and doing whatever. I never uh-huh. really missed a beat because I kept taking the steroids. Had I stopped taking the steroids, I would be like most people that have chemo, laying in bed, feeling sorry for myself and whatever. But it's not how I roll. But so. that's how so that's how that worked. It, you know, you um you know, as you you can, you know, as people are listening in on us here, you know, you can see that you have a I mean, I guess you you know your choices are uh, fight or die. I mean, that's just the way the way it is, right? You know. Uh, yeah. You know. I mean, I mean, when you get chemo, you're jacked. You can lay down and ball up and stay, you know, in your room for three days, or you can figure it out. So I figured out. Well, if I take extra steroids, I won't feel like shit. I'll still have energy. Sweet. I'm gonna do that. Mm-hmm. So I told my doctor straight up, like, you need to give me more of those pills because I keep taking them. And so they actually learned stuff from me, uh, my UCLA doctor. I also bought a uh, paraffin wax machine because chemo causes neuropathy and it makes it feel like your fingers and toes are frozen. So I would heat them up in the wax and then wear dog poop bags until the wax fell off. And that would help me with my uh, neuropathy. Ah. So now they're prescribing lotion with capsaicin in it to patients. And this was like a year and a half ago, they figured this out, but they figure it out through patients, I guess, like me that kind of figure it out yourself. Right. Well, I guess that that speaks a lot, right? You got to take responsibility for your own health too. You know, I mean, it's you, the one going through it. And if there's something that's working, you know, why would it, you know, why would they not let you continue on? I mean, especially when you're going through something like this. So, you yeah. know, that was, that, that's really good. And you and but I have spoke, go ahead. They don't give you a guide. You know, they give you, mm. they give you a bag. Of, actually, I, I busted out this bag. They give you this bag of drugs. <laughs> okay. And they're like, well, yeah, if you're fucked up in this department, take this one. And if you this happens, take this one. And then there's over the counter drugs and, Um, I obviously still have that bag of drugs because I tried not to take anything I didn't need to. Ah. Um, Except the steroids. I was taking bonus steroids, which people think, like, what? You're taking more (laughs) than you need to? And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to be fat in the end because of the steroids. But at least I got to do what I wanted to do. And I wasn't at home balled up and you know yeah yeah i guess i guess it's just a give and take of what it is so you know i've i've watched um you know we've talked and robbie and i have talked about you you know if you if you're around you um if you're around you for a little bit you know how uh 
you have like this no no excuse type of uh, an attitude. And when people are kind of dogging it around you, you know, it kind of pisses you off, right? And it's just like, you know, you're short with it. And, yeah. uh, you know, I've talked to Robbie. I said, you're looking at, at, at somebody that has beat this double cancer and then this colon thing being told, be, you know, BS. And, yeah. you know, she has looked death in, in the face. I don't know how many times. And I guess at that point, you just don't have time for uh, for excuses. Right. Right. You know what I mean? So. I mean, I think I've seen that with you for a long time. And so, you know, how do you, how is it that you help others when, when they say, when, well, I know one thing, when people give you excuses, you just shake your head and just, you know, you know, I I didn't want to hear it. You know what I mean? So there's, there's ones that you do. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of feel bad because, uh, you know, Robbie told me he was sick about a week ago and and i'm just like shut the front door dude <laughs> right and, and no he really is sick and then i felt bad i'm like shit so i like i've been taking him soup and all kinds of crap <laughs> oh man sorry yeah. i didn't mean to bust your balls I, I didn't you know i thought you were just like having a cold a man flu or something <laughs> he's actually really jacked up so you know with his yeah. asthma stuff yeah, it's so funny. I think he got this when he went on this trip. You know, my daughter, when she went on this trip, she did the same thing in this when when she was young, like his kids. And she got deathly sick, and I wasn't there. Can you imagine that? We had no. to have one of the chaperones that was with her the whole time. I'm like, should uh, I drive up? Should I do what? what is it I should do? Well, we're leaving tomorrow. So I drive, and we'd end up leaving tomorrow anyway. It would just make, an, it would just make no sense. So I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the... Uh, if it's the air up there in Sacramento or what the deal is on, on, on people. So, right. Or maybe, you know, the bus, just the bus and (laughs) maybe there's mold on the bus. I don't know. I, I came up with all these things in my head. Um, but as far as helping people, I actually just helped a girl, uh, two weeks ago, never met her before in my life. My friend calls me and he says, Hey, you know, I have a friend who's going to be having surgery for breast cancer. Can you come meet us for lunch? And I'm like, oh, yeah, dude. So, you know, I went and met him for lunch and had this long conversation with her. We became connected, you know, via text. And I help her with <clears throat> stuff that if she's wrong, uh, you know, she, she thought she was getting the, remember the radioactive injection I told you about to light up your lymph nodes. She thought it was going directly into her nipple. And I said, no, 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 no. It's not in the nipple. It's like above <laughs> it. So she's like freaked out. But. Then when she had it and it was above it, she was like, oh, you're right. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to tell you something if I'm wrong. If I don't know, I don't know. But so we became closer, you know, friends. And I uh-huh. I've never, like I said, I never met her before. And uh, other people have called me, you know, for guidance and chemo advice and stuff like that. And after I learned about that steroid trick. You know, if you don't want to feel like crap and you have to have chemo, you know, don't take, don't do the crash day, wean off of it instead of crashing. Cause you basically feel like crap for three days after. So I'd have chemo on Thursday. And then I got to thinking, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I'm going to feel like crap Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I don't think so. So I started taking the steroids extra and 
they worked. I never felt like, you know, really bad. I got stuff, fevers and whatever, and ended up in the ER, but that was out of my control. Do you have any anxieties now when you have to go get yourself tested again? Or like, let's see what's uh, up next or how does it anxiety? That's a real thing. Yeah. It it really is. You know, I thought that's stupid. The first couple of times I did not. And now it's like, Oh damn, this is like real. You get very like nervous and apprehensive and like, Oh crap. I hope they don't find something, but you know, then you get there and the person's really cool and you're like, Oh, that wasn't bad. So how long has remission been for you now? Uh, two years. Is there is there a time where they say you don't have to do as many scans? Or if you hit yeah, five it, years, what does that look like? It starts to get less and less uh, as you get, you know, deep in the five-year thing. They, uh, they told me I was in remission. <clears throat> and then, <clears throat> sorry, I followed up with that... Uh, my gynecologist oncologist and he calls me a medical miracle and I told him to quit calling me that and he said why and I said well it's kind of creepy because you're a gynecologist and uh he said but you had you had a 37 percent chance of survival and I was like what what (laughs) I had no idea he told me that last year and I'm like well why didn't you tell me that and he's like well you know, we didn't want to like add more to your whatever. And I'm like, holy crap, 37% chance of survival. Are you out of your mind? You didn't tell me that. <laughs> when I came back from Vegas and I had the first surgery, I had to have two blood transfusions with the surgery. And then during chemo, I had to have another blood transfusion. So I was pretty jacked up. And I didn't even know how jacked up I was until after it was all over, which is kind of funny. Yeah, I guess they just had you fight the fight the way you need to fight the fight. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. How, it's uh, it's yeah. been it's been uh, uh, quite a story a, to hear. It was a rough. It was rough. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. You know, I'm tough, and I kept ending up at the ER, which I hate that place. So, but when yeah. you have you know chest pain and your breathing's weird or the one time I went because my fever was 103.8. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's probably not good. So I should probably go. Like, at least I knew to go, you know, not yeah. the first time when I got sepsis and I was a stubborn donkey and didn't want to get in the car. Well, you're getting this week coming up. You're testing for brown belt and Krav now, correct? That this That's this Saturday, right? Yeah, my brown stripe. Brown stripe. Right. Last, last Brown. Is it, is that what, and, uh, I think that, uh, you know, what I looking forward to tying a, a black belt around your waist. Cause I use you quite often when people give me excuses why they can't do anything Yeah. or, you know, you, you've stepped away and you've come back and you've stepped away and come back and, uh, you're on the brink of fixing, uh, making this thing happen, you know? So it'll be, uh, a year of celebration here soon instead of, uh, the opposite when we get to tie that around your waist. And, and, uh, I think we gave you the, uh, the warrior type award anyway for, uh, the AKMF did, you know, yeah, watching, that was awesome. Yeah, what, what that kind of, 
when I saw that, when I saw you in January at that award thing, just seeing you personally and your successes with your weight loss and shit, I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> and so I've been on a mission. Like you have no idea. Um, I'm testing and I'm like going to the gym, like two to three times a day. And I'm just on this crazy, I've lost 21 pounds since I've seen you in January. And, uh, I don't know, that the award inspired me, your personal success inspired me. Mm -hmm. I was like, what, what am I, I, why am I wasting my time? I need to get this black belt in case I have a fucking reoccurrence of this shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know, like that my mission in life right now, you know, I'm, I'm giving up a, uh, I, I, like I said, I, I'm one of the owners of the racetrack organization and I'm giving up my track day on Saturday to come and test because I'm like, so on a mission. I, I think you asked me about a, a couple weeks ago if I was ready, dude, you, <laughs> I, I don't think I've been more ready. Seriously. I am like on a mission. Hardcore. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. You're going to get me, I'll be your, I'll be your one. That's going to be grading you. I've, I've, uh, uh, awesome. I want to be the one to, uh, to, uh, you know, to, to put you through your paces and, and, and be your cheerleader there and, awesome. and see you, see you succeed and win. Yeah, and I, and I do great. appreciate all the, yeah, I, you know, that was, uh, the medical thing was for me too. I, I know exactly what you talk about. That's why I asked a, a, a little bit about your private thoughts and stuff like that, because when, uh, I was told that I had double blood clots in my lungs and this is from an injury on top of it. And, um, and I was taking steroids too, you know, and, and some stuff that, and not even doing it the right way, which is even, even more stupid. But I remember being there and them telling me the same thing that you really shouldn't be alive. And, uh, you know, and I'm laying in bed and I'm like, hey man, can I get up and walk or can I take it? And they wouldn't let me get up and walk for three days. I couldn't do anything, you know, because of the clot or whatever, trying to figure out how that all worked. And, I remember in my private thoughts laying there going, my son's getting married in June. It's February, right? And I said, and I possibly could not be at that wedding, you know? And the reason I ask you about how it did with your head, because, you know, it messed me up. You know, I didn't flip script until six months after that occurrence in the hospital. I was so scared of everything that I did. When I lay down and go to bed, if I felt something in my heart do something weird, I felt, oh my gosh, I'm going to have a freaking stroke. You know what I mean? This is what was my big fear. You know, I kept asking God, hey, listen, just take me home. Don't leave me in this earth with a stroke. Right. right. And, um, and so any little thing that was happening to me when I was laying down and I was having bad insomnia because I'm like, well, if I stay awake, I don't feel those things. Right. And yeah. And this, this was like six months. And at some point in this process, I couldn't take it anymore. And I just said, I'm not living like this. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to take my health back. And Jay Walker is the one that I really kind of confided in in a lot of things. And then once he did his keto com this keto competition, I'm like, well, Jay Walker can do it. I can do it. And so I didn't right. tell anybody. I didn't tell, I didn't tell anybody nothing. And so Jay knew. And then I, I just had a mind shift and I just said, okay, well, this is, I'm going to take this health back and I'm going to make, I'm going to make, uh, you know, the best of what I can. And if it, if, if something takes me by then, 
then then so be it. It is what it is. And that's just the way it's been ever since. And I just, you know, hit it head on. And, you know, and I look back on the pictures of myself too. And I'm like, I don't really know even how much I really weighed at the highest. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you get the most unflattering pictures that you can take, you know, but, um, but I'm just like, I remember, I remember, uh, being miserable, but I don't remember when you look at pictures, you're like, I don't remember being that way. Yeah. And a lot of people look at me now and they don't, I don't even remember you like that. You know what I mean? And right. so that's why I had those. Cause I had some real private thoughts in my head of like, man, am, am I going to make it or not make it here? Or am I going to have a freaking stroke? I mean, that was just something I did not want to uh, encounter. And mm-hmm. so I had to have a mind shift of that warrior's mind shift. And then, you know, watching what you go through yourself, you know, that, you, you know, that's what I wanted this for today. Cause I'm sure you're going to inspire others to know, well, you know what you either sulk in your, in your agony. Cause everybody's fighting something every single day. Somebody's fighting something right. and you either sulk in it or you do something about it. So, uh, I want to appreciate, you know, I I've always had a heart for you. Cause I know, you, you know, I know how hardcore you are, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have that personality that's, uh, you have a crash personality a lot like I do, right? Right. Some people like it. Some people don't. I don't give, I don't, I don't even give a shit. It, and, I uh, always so, tell Robbie that. I'm like, dude, either people love me or they hate me. There's like no in between. They don't like <laughs> get used to it. If they don't like you, they don't like you. That's yeah, just how it, it is. It is. And you, I give no, I'm, I'm, my pocket's <laughs> empty. I'm, I give no more fucks. Seriously. You know, I'm yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. So I told him that too. I said, she's, she's really faced this, this type of thing. And I looked at it too. And it just got to a point of, uh, and then when I did 75 hard, right. Then it, it escalated even worse. 75 hard brought on something to me. Like you give me one excuse. I don't want to hear none of your bullshit excuse. Okay. Right. Oh, I'm too busy. Oh, I'm too this. You're not too busy when you're looking at, you might not be living. All of a sudden, everything you think is busy is not busy anymore, right? This yeah. is this was in my head when I was going through this. And then I went through 75 hard, and then I read Jocko's book, Extreme Ownership. And then when I started taking ownership of everything, all my excuses, all the bullshit, all that stuff that I did, I was like, you know what? Uh, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> so the more people gave me excuses, the more I said, just get away from me, okay? Just... Either just yeah. say what it is. Don't give me an excuse. Just say, you know, hey, I'm not doing this because of this, this, or this. Don't. I don't want to hear any excuses, or I'm sick, or I can't train, or I can't drive 40 minutes. I can't do this. I got so sick of hearing it. I just cut people off. I said, don't even call and talk to me why you're not doing something. Just do, do what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the same thing in you. And, you know, I've told everybody when you hit something like that, when you hit these walls, Something does flip script in you and you just become, you know, uh, just just like what you've become. You know what I mean? So, yeah, we've definitely been able to batter back and forth on each other. So, yeah, I look forward to Saturday. I'll be there for you for sure. That's you know? awesome. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, I, I've had thoughts of uh, this could be the end. You know, I've yeah. shit like what the hell? I <laughs> changed my 
made sure that my husband has access to my kids' savings. And, you know, I went to the bank and right. it's crazy. <laughs> it's I have a, all that. I, I actually have a funeral playlist in my, in my notes in my phone. And somebody <laughs> saw me looking at something and they saw that and they're like, you should delete that. I'm like, why? Those are good songs, man. What the hell? <laughs> so, I mean, I get it. I've, I've had, you know, my, I've had yeah. thoughts. Mm -hmm. why wouldn't you if you you know gone through something like this yeah yeah for sure cross your mind for sure yeah yeah well Well, you definitely gone i gotta make sure people play awesome songs and shit on some new (laughs) age crap (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't want that's yeah i'm actually uh and i i decided i'm probably gonna donate my body back to ucla if i ever you know well, when I pass away, <laughs> yeah, they think oh, I'm boy. some kind of medical miracle. Well, shit, take it then, I guess. I, I you know? know that's right. <laughs> do research, do something, fix people. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I I became mad passionate recently, um, with teaching like the white belts and seeing how like they glow when you like teach them something your way. It's different because you know every instructor has their way, and yep, they do. It's uh, uh, I you know he, I I say he teaches martial arts, and I teach more like martial asshole. But at least yeah. you feel like you're safe when I teach you something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I just yeah, I was I was like really into that uh, a training thing. Well, you're gonna have. I'm still coming. Yeah, you're gonna. (laughs) You're gonna have awesome stories, though, uh, Donna. Like I talk about this quite often. You know, as you develop into an instructor, and you're like, "Listen, man, there's the times that I had to come in my own head, and I had to fight through some stuff." I says, "You think you got to fight through yellow belt testing? Try and fight for your life for a second. I don't want to hear it. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, And uh, and the stories that come from behind uh, the, the. the so-called tragedies in our life or the, you know, the things that come along that we can have no control over, but yeah, it, it's, you're going to be, you're going to have something and you're going to get this black belt too. And you're going to oh, yeah. say, Hey, listen, I got this black belt and I fought breast cancer. I fought the next, this one in a gazillion cancer that nobody gets it at COVID. Right. How can you give me any excuses why you can't do something? Shut exactly. the frick up. You, you know, know I, mean? I, I tried to be all hardcore last year and, and, and uh, lose weight and go to the gym and whatever. And I don't know if I told you this, but uh, uh, because of the chemo, a piece of my cartilage in my shoulder broke off and stuck in the joint. And my arm I had like frozen <laughs> shoulder and I had to go have surgery and have it removed. They just knew that there was something in my arm and they didn't know what it was. And I'm like, well, what the hell do you mean? You don't know what it is. And, Ended up being a piece of cartilage from the chemo, like deterioration. <laughs> so that kind of yeah. put the brakes on. And it's like, damn it. I really wanted to test in December. I was like pissed, but whatever. Here we are. And, you know, moving forward. And uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, knock on wood, no more, yep. no more delays. Because I'm like sick of the delays. I really well, I think that yeah, this. I think that you have uh, you have an awesome story. I yeah, I look forward to your test and uh, and and being one of the AKMF instructors and another cancer survivor. It's just uh, you know watching what you you went through, watching what John Viverka went through. It was just you know 
uh, you know, fighters fight. That's why I say it all the time, man. Fighters fight, you know, it's yeah. fight or flight, you know, either get on it or, or, or whatever, you yeah. know what I mean? So I totally, you know, I totally get that. So I appreciate yeah. this time, man. We, we, we went about 20 minutes over, but I think your oh, story damn. is well worth it. You know what I mean? All right. Yes. So, thank you. All right. I look forward right, to seeing you Saturday. It, I'll see you then. Thank Bye. you. Bye. You've been listening to Real Talk with Mark Cox. Real life, real topics, real conversation. We're passionate about motivation, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, and coming at it from a real angle. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at MarkCox100. Make sure to subscribe and review. And tell a friend or two about the show. For more, hit up the website at MarkCox.com. Till next time, keep it real.